All right, Hebrews chapter 2. Thank you for standing so long. And I'm going to be standing longer than you. But it is what it is. And I love being here. I love church. I thank God for calling me to preach. I thank God for everything he's allowed me to do in his kingdom. Because no greater place you can find than in the kingdom of God. Doing something, serving the Lord in any capacity that he allows you to work. Amen. Hebrews chapter 2. Verse 1 in the King James, then I'll read the New Living Translation. Then I'll he read also Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Therefore, everybody say therefore. therefore. I don't want to go back before that. This is really a transitional sentence. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect? Everybody say neglect. Yes. So great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. Hebrews 2, 1 through 3, a new living translation. So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. For the message God delivered through angels has always stood firm, and every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. So what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak. The King James says, confirmed unto us by them that heard him. Uh, in other words, speaking of the apostles and all those disciples who were eyewitnesses of Jesus' ministry. So it was not only confirmed, this message was not only confirmed by Jesus himself and his apostles and the disciples that saw him, heard him, and watched his ministry personally. But then, of course, the scripture goes on to say after this, they were also confirmed by gifts of the Holy Ghost and signs, wonders, and miracles. So what we have heard, I love how, how the Bible puts this. Amen. That, that, that we ought to be careful and give more earnest heed, attention to the things which we have heard. And don't neglect what you have heard. In the New Living Translation, we said, he said, the we have heard, or we may drift away from it. Boy, that's such a beautiful picture. But it adequately describes people I have seen in the church who have drifted away slowly. And they may still have been coming to church, but Inside, they were drifting away from truth. They were drifting away from their experience. They were drifting away from doctrine. They were drifting away from fellowship. They were drifting away from the foundational things of the gospel. And so, the writer of Hebrews reminds us, how, how, do we think, how can we think that we can escape punishment if we ignore, if we neglect the things of God. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, 
but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. New Living Translation, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together. Everybody say together. together. As some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing nigh. Let us not neglect our meeting together. I want to talk to you tonight in a lesson titled Neglecting the Church. But I mean neglecting church attendance. Hallelujah. It's lesson five of the ten weights and sins and struggles. And people struggle with faithfully, consistently attending all church services. Hallelujah. And I'm talking about uh, not attending what is problematic. And it, it becomes a bad habit. Okay, but I'll discuss this in more detail. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your exhortations and admonitions. We thank you, Lord God, for your spirit that is here also to confirm and to verify your words that we read and that we talk about. And I pray that you would edify us tonight, build us up, strengthen our faith. And Lord, those of us that are here, we pray that your presence would comfort us and give us strength somehow to be uh, more committed to coming together and gathering with your people so that indeed you would be pleased with us and that uh, we may bear fruit according to your perfect will. Lord, we ask it all in Jesus' mighty name. Let the church say amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. Aren't you glad to have a seat to sit into? Amen. amen. You know, in Eastern Europe, in early days and the communism too, and we're having meetings out in the farms and uh, in, in places that didn't have a church building like you and I have. They had no chairs. Many times they had these huge you know, mats made out of burlap and, and straw and they threw them on the ground. And, uh, and I have uh, videos and pictures of that. And about 150, 200 people gathered together and men, women, and children all sitting down on the floor in two rooms. And the kids in the front and worship and song and everything goes up. They didn't have to be afraid of, 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 um, of the police because it was way out in the middle of nowhere. And it's amazing how they worshiped God. But they had no chairs to sit on. We all sat on the ground. And uh, it was an amazing time. But I'm thankful for what we have. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful that we have chairs to sit on. I'm thankful for air conditioning in the summer and heat in the winter. Yeah. Praise God, and I'm thankful for comfortable chairs that we may complain about. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Neglecting church attendance, it's an important subject, and sometimes, indeed, it's a struggle. And it's a common problem. It's not just really particular to our church or some other con uh, congregations uh, really that I know also have problems with it. But, but people give various reasons at various times uh, for not attending church. And so regular church attendance has always been a problem from the beginning in the early church also to modern times. In fact, all the way until Jesus comes. I mean, this is why Hebrews 10 is addressing the problem. And uh, so, so this, this has been with us from the very beginning. And neglecting church attendance results basically in spiritual weakness. And it as we, we get weaker because we don't attend regularly, we fail to exercise spiritual disciplines. 
when we don't come together and get exhorted and we don't, you know, get a, a faith built up and we don't uh, come to church and, and worship the Lord together, uh, we, we neglect certain things. We begin to neglect fasting and prayer. We begin to neglect giving, serving, and not just of our finances, but serving in some way. And we neglect our own soul and we neglect others in the body of Christ because if you really think about it, we're here in church tonight not just for ourselves, but for someone else also. And that's why we have altar calls too. When we have an altar call, yes, if you have a need, you have a trouble, you got something going through a trial, pray about it. Come to the altar, take it to the Lord. It's a time to, to ask the Lord to, to intervene. Yes, you do that at home as well. But you know, when we're together, forces multiplied. Hallelujah. One shall put a thousand to flight, two shall put ten thousand to flight. And if the Lord is, is present where two or three are gathered together, imagine what kind of power that can bring in the presence of the Lord. Those who are committed in heart, mind, soul, and spirit, and they're one accord like the 120 was on the day of Pentecost. Things happen when we get together in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when we get together as a church, my, like Sunday, praise God. What a great time we had on the Lord from start to finish. But when we neglect church attendance, we begin to have struggles. And most struggles in, in, in everyone's lives begin with somehow neglecting church service. Especially when you neglect it on a regular basis. And this is why Hebrews 10, 25. Don't neglect coming together as a body. As the manner or the habit of some is. And the Bible encourages us time and again not to exchange this habit of, of, of coming to church with the habit of not coming to church. Hallelujah. And if, if we can just cultivate this habit of coming to church regularly, then the habits of worshiping God, discipleship, giving, serving in some way, it's it also going to follow suit. And you see this happening with people who are born again and they're new in the Lord. Uh, and when they begin to, to consistently, faithfully attend church, they get stronger in faith. They get stronger in their walk with God. And uh, they, they begin to you know, uh, acclimate to the life and to the circulation of the spiritual blood of the church. Amen. And uh, they begin to, 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 to invest their, their time, their life, and, uh, and everything in the kingdom of God more so. But if you don't do that, you get weaker. And that's the point. So attending church is very, very important. And God certainly thinks so. Now, there are many excuses that people uh, use to, to miss church. And, and some are legitimate. Let's face it. I'm going to address some of that as well. Um, there are times when you just can't come to church. Uh, sickness is one of those things. We have Austin today had surgery. I don't expect him to hop off that surgery at the operation bed and jump out and say, Come on, Austin, we want you in the sound room. And he's got a big thing on his ear covered. They had hit surgery on his ear. We're not going to expect them to be in there. You have a serious condition or you're, you're uh, in, infectious and, and you have some kind of a, a condition that, that somebody else would catch. Stay home. Yeah, don't come. So some, sometimes uh, there are legitimate reasons not to come. But, but each week someone uh, from among us who attends regularly is either sick or they're taking care of somebody who is sick. We have that too. And those are legitimate concerns, the legitimate excuses. And it's normal. 
Church surveys tell us this, that any, at any given time, every church uh, has at least 5 to 10% of their, of their attendees miss church because of sickness or attending somebody who is sick. And that's just the way it is. But the danger here is uh, that a period of illness breaks this cycle of regular church attendance. And when it breaks this, this, this cycle and this habit of regular church attendance, that a, uh, that a formerly faithful member all of a sudden uh, adopts a different lifestyle. It become, picks up the bad habit of irregular attendance. And that's certainly a, a problem. And it's something that we should uh, be careful of. And if you fall in that category, then you need to watch out for this. And uh, praise God. Everybody say praise the Lord. But there are life changes. Sometimes life changes in a person's uh, uh, walk with God uh, will influence their, their church attendance. And I've seen it happen. You have too. You may, maybe you've not been aware of it, but it does. Uh, when somebody has to move, hallelujah. And this was not pre-planned. I did not know before tonight, Sister Tina's morning. It's not about her. I'm not saying this because I'm not saying this to her. I'm just expressing a fact of life. It's a fact of life for the church. We had people who have moved away from this assembly and they have went out of state and uh, they took on other jobs elsewhere and they, for various reasons they moved. Amen. Uh, and, and some have gone to college. They're, they're starting college and some had made a move. There was a while with Brother Brian when he was going up to Alton and he was going to college and the med school. You know, he was attending a different church. Up there. He moved from here and then when he got done, he came right back here. Years after years. But you know, I admire him because for all those years, he'd never ever, as busy as he was, he made church attendance a priority. And I see God use him in such a marvelous way, in such a great example of Christian faith. Amen. Uh, but starting college with some kids, they, they drift away. And they allow regular church attendance uh, to, to go out the window and it becomes an irregular uh, habit rather than something consistent. Marriage. Marriage is a wonderful event. Amen. Marriage is of God. But sometimes when, when you marry, you know, it, come, it brings with it uh, distraction. And Paul addresses this. And he says, you know, you're going to have trouble in the flesh, first of all. And, and uh, he says, uh, you know, when somebody's married, uh, 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 a husband's going to really care about what, what, the, what the needs of the wife is. And, and the wife is going to be concerned about what her husband needs. And, and all of a sudden, the Lord is just kind of put to the side. And that, that's a danger. But that, that is something that, that uh, is a, a life change that occurs, and that's fine. And then they have babies. We all have babies, right? Well, women do, anyway. You know. let's, make that, let's make that clear. Hmm? Praise the Lord. They're the only birthing people I know. Is females. Women. Hallelujah. And so they have babies. That's good. And then, and then when you have babies, you know, uh, you get home from the hospital and you're weaker in body and, and you're, you feel like a truck ran over you, right, ladies, mothers? Hallelujah. And it takes a while before you can get back on your feet and just feel like you're back to normal. It takes a few weeks in church attendance goes out the window. 
And it, it, it's, and, and this is what's, 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 uh, what's dangerous. I don't want to use that too, too strong of a word. But, but you have this, this propensity to break that cycle of regular attendance. And then you start making excuses for yourself of not going. You know, often because, because I've got a baby or I'm sick or I'm not up to it. I'm too weak, blah, blah, blah. And it happens. This is the way it is. And we have to make sure that we are committed and we don't allow these life changes to interfere with our commitment to regular church attendance. Changing jobs can have the same effect, whether it's even nearby or or other places. The shift changes, the demands on your time changes, the schedule is altogether different, and it can interfere with church attendance. We understand that. I know that. Hallelujah. Uh, We had Brother Gary Enders. He can't ever make really midweek service because he's on the road from Monday through Friday. He's on the road. He's gallivanting around. I don't want to say it that way. He's tied to a wheel on an 18-wheeler. He's driving all over the interstate week after week after week. Now, he enjoys that. I wouldn't. I love travel, but not like that. And so, so we don't expect him to be here on Wednesday, although he, he, he listens to a lot of sermons and messages. He does. A lot of worship, too. And uh, he tries to stay edified. But, but changing jobs, in essence, uh, can influence your regular church attendance. And, of course, so that you have, you know, starting a, a new, new location and moving. You've got college and marriage and having babies. And you change jobs. Then you have more babies. Then you have retirement, then you have more babies. <laughs> oh, should I say grandbabies? You know, and, uh, and so it can, it can take you away from, from regular church attendance if we're not we're careful. But see, with these changes comes these interruptions in our routines and our habits. And, and thus, when, when one habit that often suffers during this period of change is indeed church attendance, like sickness. And also job demands. There's a time when our nation and human government and, and industry had recognized the importance of Sunday. And they did not have any uh, big operation on Sunday. Stores were closed on Sunday. I mean, years ago, even in Belleville, there's, you know, uh, Sundays, everything was closed. No longer that way. And then Missouri used to have blue laws, right? Certain days, everything was closed, and you, you were mandated by law to be closed to accommodate our Judeo-Christian values. And so they, they, they recognized that this was a Christian country from the very beginning, and working on Sundays, uh, and, and irregular shifts was really not as common. But since we have moved more towards a secularized society, more and more people have accommodated worldly schedules. And it conflicts with regular church attendance. And so, as far as I'm concerned, my personal opinion is that this was really a, a calculated spiritual attack by the enemy. Just like the Tower of Babel was. Creating a society that becomes a peer pressure on godly values. But that's another story. But I believe really this was a calculated spiritual attack on the family and the church. It's used by the devil to rob both institutions, the family and the church, both created by God, 
to rob these institutions of vital source of influence, particularly the man, to keep him busy, get him out of the house, get him out of the church, keep him busy. It's like making bricks in Egypt, making bricks without straw, keep him occupied. But it's not just so much this concept of slavery, but uh, I'm talking about, about knowing man's weakness in his fallen nature. Because you see, you may have heard this, Dr. James Dobson, a great expert on family matters and focus on the family and the radio is still on and, and he has done great research, 18 years on, a, uh, on the Children's Hospital of Los Angeles, being a clinical psychologist, uh, marriage counselor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he said this early on in the 70s, I'll never forget it, that a man's primary source of self-esteem is his job, it's his work. Women, particularly married ladies, primary source of self-esteem is from relationships, particularly if they're married, their relationship with their husband. That's their primary source of self-esteem. And each of them, when they don't have fulfillment in the either, it brings depression and isolation, a lot of other things. And that's not what I'm talking about. But my point here is just to bring up the fact that the primary source of, of self-esteem for from a man is the work that he's done. It's his job. When men meet for the first time and they don't know each other, one of the first things to get talk about is the work that they do. It's not about their wives or their children. What do you do? Why well, do this? It's your work. It's not about, hey, let me show you my pictures. Let me show you the picture of my wife. Huh? What would that guy think? You know, I mean, we don't think like that. Now, I have to say, when you're a, a, a grandfather or grandmother, you do. A grandfather. I was in the optometrist's chair earlier today. I was talking to my optometrist. You know, he's about 20, 30 years younger than me. And we're talking about kids. He's got little kids. I got grandkids. You know, I'd pull out. But you'll see, this is my, little son. This is my, grand, this is my youngest one right there. You know. We're talking about kids, a lot of other things. But, so, but, but men in general, their number one source of self-esteem is their work. And, and so... When, when this big shift took place, men just fell right in line and, and fell into this trap. Uh, and this is why we see that men work long hours and are happy to do it. Yeah, they complain. But this is why they continue to work 12-hour shifts and then they take on, then they take on overtime and, and they go seven days a week. A Sunday's open now. They'll pay me double time. Yeah, I'm going to go to work and I know people like that. I know people who are not here in church right now simply because work is so good and they enjoy making up money and they enjoy working. Because they get a big self-esteem from that. They, they value this themselves. And so this is why more men are workaholics than women. I know there are exceptions. There are women who are workaholics as well. But predominantly it is men who are, are, are workaholics. And as a result, psychologically, men are more prone to work rather than going to church or spend time with their family. And men, we need to understand that uh, from a spiritual point of view. And, and this is why I believe uh, when Paul addresses this issue in 1 Timothy 2.8, before he ever addresses the women in verse 9 and 10 about addressing and adornment and modesty and so on, he addresses the men and he says this. Remember, God always addresses uh, our, our gender-specific weaknesses. 
It's not arbitrary. It's not, well, okay, you know, man, I wish you would lift up holy hands, etc., etc. Women, be modest. No, it, it, it wasn't written down there because God just had an afterthought. He knows our nature. He knows our chemical makeup. He knows what we demand. He knows how we're wired, if I can say it that way. And so in 1 Timothy 2.8, it says, I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. The hands that you're working with, the hands that you're so busy with, Bring it to church and lift it up to God and give him his due. Pray. Don't be so self-sufficient that we talked about the last time. Pray. Worship God. Don't worship yourself and the work that you do. Get your primary source of self-esteem from him and not from your work. Surrender your job and your work to God. And so it's also true and, and that in 1 Timothy 5.8, what Paul writes, he makes it imperative that, that a man, being head of the household, provide for his own. If he doesn't, now especially of his own house, he's worse than an infidel. He's denied the faith if he doesn't do that, yes. But what we're talking about here is balancing here, balancing the need to work versus the want to work more than what is uh, required of us. And so it, it means that you don't, you, know, you don't accept every opportunity for overtime. That means you don't work two jobs if you don't have to. Well, I got to pay the bills. I know. But spend less. Charge less. Borrow less. And covetousness in this whole society, we talked about that last week also. We're charged with, with, with covetousness. We buy, 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 buy all the commercials. Why do you think they're paying billions of dollars in commercials? So they can play up to our covetousness, this insatiable desire to buy things. Devil knows that. And there's nothing per se wrong with that. But when we step out of balance and we're so busy working for things, and we mentioned that last time too, it's, we need to work for acquiring spiritual things and God will make sure that we have all the other things that we need, right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But don't work two jobs if you don't have to. I know that, that inflation is high, things have gone up, things cost more. And I understand, we have to adjust, but we all have to be careful that we don't fall into this trap of more work and allowing the devil to pull us away from church so far that we end up being slaves in Egypt and giving no time to God at all. Because that's the ultimate goal of the world. So we can see how, how that the absence of men from church and from family has devastated these institutions, no? Father's absent from the family. The kids never see the dad. These mom to raise the kids. And if the dad's not around, the mom's got to work 24 hours a day and she never sees the kids. The kids are left to themselves. And we have this problem all over our communities, including Belleville. A lot of the kids running the streets today causing trouble. I have, uh, as we cleaned up this backyard over here, we had a neighborhood uh, watch captain there telling us how some kids ran down the street. He got them on video. Just that, you know, these, these young boys, they're running down the street and breaking windows. Why? No supervision. No dad 
The mom tries the best they can. They got to work. Who watches them? Grandma, grandpa, if they're around. They're out of state, out of country, whatever, somewhere far. The kids are left to themselves. And we have this situation more and more in our society, even in Belleville. And, uh, and so this is the big picture, okay? But, but the absence of men from church and from the family, it's devastated the church and the family. And so this shows us how important it is to make church a top priority. Amen. Hallelujah. So that, that leads me to that, one of the next problems, next issues. They know, well, job demands, yes, sickness, life changes. Then there's job demands. And we talked about that. That's the job demands. And there's just simple busyness. You know, busyness. Not business, busyness. I talk about the Martha and Mary spirit. The difference between, no, well, all respect to Sister Martha. I know, this guy's kind of a joke, right? Now, we, we finally have a sister by the name of Martha in our church. Amen. Now, we just need somebody named Mary. Do we have somebody that's Mary? We're not anymore. We used to. Hallelujah. But praise God. But there's a difference between work and busyness. One is of need. The other one is of want. There's a busyness where, where you need to be there. You have to go to work. You've got to punch, punch the clock. You've got to go to work. And there's the other ones who I do because I want to. Right? So the, the busy person is not a bad person. They're just a busy person. And Jesus had it in his day. And then again, I'm reminded of the story of Mary and Martha. And Luke 10, 38 through 42. And I'm going to le- read the New Living Translation, okay? And we, we, I think we're all familiar with the story, but I'm going to read it for the record anyway. Hallelujah. And uh, I pray, Your Honor, would you please make sure that this enters into the official record? Hallelujah. I want to submit this for evidence. I'm just kidding, okay? <laughs> Luke 10, 38. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Her sister, Mary, sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was worrying over the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord... Doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, the King James, like Martha, Martha. You know, there's that double, you know, name calling that Martha when he calls your name. Abraham, Abraham. You know, Peter, Peter. Hallelujah. My dear Martha, you are so upset over all these details. There is really only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and I won't take it away from her. Should I say, I won't take her away from it. Sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to the instruction. Yes, it was important to prepare the meal. It was important to get certain things ready for a sake of protocol. But, But as far as the context gives us insight into this event. It seems like Martha was too busy when she could have overlooked that business and sat down at Jesus' feet just like Mary. But she didn't take the opportunity to do so because in her mindset, she was racing. Her mind was on all the details. 
I've got to serve all these people. I've got to get the food ready. I've got to get the utensils. I've got to you know, get the wash men's out. I've got to get the water carried from the well over here. And and got to get this ready. And, and you know, all those things. And she felt like maybe she was all alone doing that. Obviously so. Because she said, hey, tell her. And Jesus said, uh-uh. I'm not telling her anything. Martha, you're just too busy. So... And then there's other examples of this, and I know if you look at Mark 4, 18 through 19, uh, about, about the sower of the seed, that's that parable. Uh, and and there, there's one seed that fell uh, among thorns, and that was the same principle implied here, that, that it was, the word was choked because of the concerns and the cares of the world and all the things that people are busy about. And it couldn't bring forth any fruit. Amen. And so people are concerned with problems and, and busy getting ahead and building a name and, and building a place for himself in the world. And as a result, they just have a priority problem. And, and they put things and they put some of these goals way ahead of God. And it crowds out consistent church attendance. And they basically, I like this, uh, this statement from, I think it was from um, First Things First uh, by Stephen Covey in his book first things first, that too often we, we allow the urgent things to crowd out the most important things. And too often we do so many things that we think is urgent. It's got to be done now. It's got to be done. It's got to be done. It's got to be done. And, and yet at the same time, at the end of the day, we, we neglect to do the things that are the most important. And it just comes down to our choices and our priorities and really our heart too. But we can't allow the urgent things to take over the important things. Busy people just uh, do not realize that God promised that if we do put the kingdom first, that he will provide all of those things that we need. And uh, he will provide all those things for us that we're so busy trying to get. Amen. So a person who intentionally makes time for worship, and worshiping God regularly offers to him something that is really valuable. That's the time. What is your salary that you earn? It's your time that you have invested or you have given to a company to do a certain kind of work. So when you're working for someone and getting money, you're giving your time, which is giving your life. Because every time you spend eight hours on a job, you have just spent eight hours of your Life that is numbered in hours and numbered in days. And when you come to church as you're sitting here, you're actually investing something very important in the kingdom of God, and that's your life and your time. Amen. So busyness is something that keeps people from church attendance. And then I'll mention one last thing, and there are many others, of course. This is not an exhaustive list uh, that I will address tonight concerning reasons why people ignore or neglect church attendance. But one is, is suffering, suffering an offense, being offended by someone or something that occurred in the church. Uh, th th there are many people who, who don't come because someone or something offended them. Or they experienced some genuine hurt. And I, I know that happens. I, uh, I know in my grandmother, who was Yugoslavia, and I remember... This is a story back from when she was a child, and uh, this impacted her greatly. She 
went to certain denominational uh, church, and uh, and she was an altar girl, and uh, and when she went, she was around ten or twelve years old, and one of the priests fondled her, and she was so impacted, she was so hurt that she never went back to church. And even her old age, in her 70s, she never, ever went to church. Um, she went to, uh, quote-unquote, the baptism of the same denominational church as uh, baptism for my cousin, when my cousin was baptized after he was born. But uh, still, it kept her out of church. Now, she respected God, and she respected other ministers, and uh, and in who, who were believers in Jesus and so but still for her she said if that's what church is about I'm not going tainted her for life I can probably think that there's a lot of people in the world who are like that or have similar experiences maybe it wasn't a priest maybe it was somebody else in church that offended them like that or abused them even and unfortunately it happens and we have to take it very seriously and we pay attention to it and we judge it and we take care of it now, that's in, in our bylaws, too, and, uh, of the United Pentecostal Church, and we deal with that very seriously. Amen. Um, but, but they were hurt by another person's comment, for example. Somebody, you know, says something uh, that they didn't really mean. And, and I should say, I really believe that most people who are, are hurt uh, or offended, let's put it that way, uh, by either a, a perceived, a perceived uh, word or lack of attention by a leader, somebody. It's not intentional. It's never intentional. But 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 they that they feel that that it was directed towards them and or they're being uh, uh, avoided or they're uh, they're not giving me enough attention like they should, um, or they're hurt by some things that was done in the church that they don't that, that particularly agree with. We do a certain program or a certain way. We do some, some event or whatnot, and they get offended because they don't think it should have been done that way. I don't think the pastor should have said what he said. Or the person teaching something didn't say it right. And uh, you know, again, it's, it's never intentional. But it, it's sad when people leave under... So it's always sad, no matter what the reason is that, that they leave or uh, they're offended and, uh, and they don't come back. But when that happens, usually happens for two reasons. Um, and, and let me just say up front that whenever somebody leaves because of an offense, it's never justifiable before God. When you stand before him on judgment day, you can't say, well, you know, Lord, this person offended me such and such time ago, and I never went back to your church. You think that's going to stand the test in judgment? So leaving church because you're offended will never, ever justify before God. And Jesus warned his disciples ahead of time that they would be subjected to persecution and false teachers and sufferings of all kinds, including hurt feelings or offenses. He said, but he that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. Mark 13, 9 through 23. You read that segment and Jesus warns his disciples. Look, you're going to be offended. You're going to be hurt. People are going to hurt you. Worse than you can imagine. But you've got to be strong. Let your faith be strong. You've got to be grounded and rooted in me and my truth. 
And don't let anything offend you. Hallelujah. Uh, it, it doesn't matter what the offense is. But leaving the church, leaving Jesus is never the answer. And again, it's nothing that God ever excuses. Maybe a reason, but God doesn't excuse it. It's not an excuse. So a word to the wise. Sometimes, uh, again, people leave church because they're offended. Um, and sometimes people slacken up or even stop their regular attendance because they're hurting. And they're hurting to some loss or some tragedy or some disappointment. And they decide to take it out on God. Now, I mentioned this, I think, a few months back. I don't know how many months ago it was that we had somebody testify to that. Remember? Uh, I'll say because he testified publicly, Brother Derek. I remember uh, Brother Derek and his wife had a baby, and, uh, and the child died in its infancy. I conducted that funeral, little Samuel. Great loss. A great hurt. And for a long time, Brother Derek, as he testified, he had great anger and resentment toward God. And then when he had that heart attack, all these years, I'm talking about now 20 years or so that had gone by, all those years he stayed away from church because of what God did. Because they wanted the child so bad and, and he was hurting. And he stayed away. He allowed that to keep him away from church. And yet when he had that near-death experience, when God brought him back from the dead, when he died on the table twice, and you know the personal experience he had with God, he said, I'm going back to church. i got to testify. I'm so glad that God gave me a second chance. I'm glad God gave him a second chance. And I pray everyone who suffered that kind of a loss and, and have, have decided to take it out on God by ignoring him would have that second chance to come back and, and honor God and do it like Job did. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm going to serve you, Lord, no matter what. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands for a moment right now, would you? Hallelujah. Jesus, I pray for each and every one here that's maybe suffering hurt or loss. I pray that your spirit will move in right now to their heart. And to the spirit, Lord, touch them in their thinking, in their minds, in their attitude. And I pray that you would soak them in your love. Soak them, oh God, with your comforting presence. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, Matthew 18, 15 tells us about how to address offenses, how to talk it out with our neighbor if somebody hurt us. And then when they apologize, you be merciful, you forgive, and then you forget. Now, I know it doesn't say that in that verse, in that scripture. Be merciful and forget, it says that, but it doesn't say to forget. But it implies for you and I to forget because in Ephesians 4.32 we're told to forgive even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. 
So as God has forgiven us, he forgets all that we've ever done. He puts it under the blood. And so when we forgive someone from the heart, it means you better try to forget. Ask God to help you forget whatever they did. Amen. James 5.13 says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Now, that's not sickness here. That he the sickness is the next verse. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the hell of the church. On a normal oil and a prayer of faith shall save the sick. But prior to that, he says, is any among you afflicted? And that really means uh, mental, spiritual, emotional anguish. I looked that up way years ago. Hallelujah. But it's anguish. And the remedy for that is prayer. Prayer. That's why, again, altar call is so important for that time and again. It's not for just the sinner. It's not for somebody, you know, to give their life to God and, uh, and, and take the first step to being born again. It's about you and I dealing with the issues in our life that are hurtful, that are, that are, are, are trial to us, and, and uh, we're struggling. Come to the church if you're tormented, if you're suffering anguish mentally, emotionally. Pray. You pray. Hallelujah. And don't neglect church attendance. Don't, don't take it out on God. Don't offend God just because somebody offended you. Does that make sense? Offending God because somebody offended you? No. It's better to turn the other cheek than to abandon the one who died for us. Why would you do that? Why would you abandon God just because somebody offended you? Hallelujah. And again, that's, that's why altar call is so important. And we're talking about hurts. We're talking about weights and sins and struggles. Now, I'm coming towards the end and the, and the reasons for church attendance. It's one, reason, one thing to say, you know, don't neglect church. Another thing to say, well, why should I come to church? Some people ask, well, do I have to attend every Sunday and every Wednesday night? Well, if you ask that question, your problem really is not church attendance. Your problem is an issue of the heart. Amen. It's, it's love. It's an issue with gratitude and respect for God and for the body of Christ. Some people skip too much. And it's not an issue of attendance. It's a question of the heart. The entire Bible encourages us to come together to worship God. Psalm 34.3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name Together. Everybody say together. Psalm 107, 31, 32. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Acts 2, 44. And all that believed were together and had all things common. Everybody say together. Acts 4.31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Uh, listen, when we get together in the house of God, and we allow the Spirit to move like we did on Sunday, and, and just every time when we have altar call, hallelujah, there is a boldness comes upon you. There's an anointing that comes with it to give you strength to face another day, another tomorrow, hallelujah, another trial, another problem, another hurt, uh, another challenge, hallelujah. But you're ready for it because God God has met with us. 
Praise God. Psalm 149.1. Praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song and his praise in the congregation of the saints. And you know, when you look at Psalm 149.150 about all the instruments, the strings instruments, the guitar, and the, you know, the, the, the drums and the trumpets and all that, those aren't listed for individuals to play by themselves. It's meant to be played in a congregation, in a, in, in a concert, in, in a band, so to speak. Meant to be played in a congregation. That's why we have all these. Praising God with voices of various instruments. Hallelujah. It's for all of us together. In the Old Testament, every Sabbath was a day of rest ordered by God so people could come together and worship him and reflect on him, both at the temple and at the home. In the New Testament, even Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there. Hallelujah. The Lord says that he's so pleased with, with two or three even getting together that he promises to show up. So God is pleased to see us offer up spiritual sacrifices of praise together. Hebrews 13, 15, and 16. By him, that's by Jesus Christ. Let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, but to do good and to communicate. That's an archaic King James English version, communicate for giving. Financial giving. It says forget not, don't forget to do it. Hallelujah. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Hallelujah. With such sacrifice. See, they're spiritual sacrifices. Money is a spiritual sacrifice. Doing good is a spiritual sacrifice. We don't do it to earn our salvation. We do it because we're saved. The fruit of our lips, giving thanks, is gratitude. It's giving. It's sharing what God has given us. It's, it's coming to church to worship and praise and to encourage one another. Psalm 22, 3. But thou art holy, O Lord, or thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. God inhabits our praises, we come down, that's why his presence is so prevalent and, and is, is manifest and, and made known to us when we praise him. Because when we praise God, he shows up. Who in their right mind would want to skip a service that we had on Sunday? I mean, you know, I mean, wasn't that great? Now, I know it's not always like that, but we have a lot like that. We can, if we come with, prepared with the right heart, right mind, and we keep praying and Hallelujah. A lot of people have been praying. We have 20-some people on, on prayer meeting on Monday. And it's just going up and up. Praise God. It's, God's doing great things. He's stirring our hearts because he wants to do more in our midst. And uh, hallelujah. But who, who'd wanna, who, who wants to miss that kind of a service? You know, the Holy Ghost moving like it did. Praise the Lord. Refreshing, renewal, healing, Holy Ghost power, deliverance, increased faith. And that's, that's from the very presence of God. See, attending church is a good thing because your regular attendance increases your faith. It strengthens your faith. And we need our faith. For without faith, it's impossible to please him. For they that come to God must first believe that he is, and he's a reward of them that diligently seek him. Strong faith is important. It's not only important for salvation, but it's also necessary to Give us the strength to persevere through all the ups and downs of life so that we can stay saved. Hallelujah. 
See, the apostles even came to Jesus and asked him to increase their faith. And if they needed an increase of faith, how much more do we? Interesting thing, all the activities in the world that you can think of, not one activity contributes a measure of faith to your faith and mine at all. Except coming to church and hearing the word of God being preached. Only hearing the word of God can do that. Only being exposed to the body of Christ can do that. No other activity in the world will give you that. Everything that you're able to do in the name of Jesus, it's all based on the strength of your faith and mine. Think about it. Strength to resist sin. Where does it come from? It's proportionate to your faith. Perseverance and suffering. Doing good things when you don't feel like it. Bearing spiritual fruit that Jesus said is so important. Operating in the, in the gifts of the Spirit. All of those are based upon the strength of your faith. You can't do any of those things without faith. So the strength of your faith is proportional to your exposure to the word of God and God's people. So you skip church a lot, your faith is going to be weaker. That's just the way it is. It's like not eating enough. It's not drinking enough. You're just going to show up sometime or other in your, in your health. Same thing in the spiritual health. You keep, keep skipping church. You, skip, you, you keep skipping spiritual meals. You're going to get weaker. And troubles come, as it always does. And you're to weaken your faith to address it and resist and to stand your ground because you haven't been consistent in your diet, spiritually speaking. So we've got to remember that, that our life of faith is, is meant to be lived out in the context of the church body. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for by one spirit are you baptized into one body, right? One body, we're part of each other. Your life in the spirit is, is meant to be, to be lived out in the church body. Hallelujah. In 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 13, uh, we read that in verse 14, uh, chapter 14, verse 23, he says, in, as, as Paul is talking about spiritual gifts to the Corinthians, he says, if therefore the whole body come together into one place. Hello? New Testament. Come together in one place. And all speak with tongues, etc., etc. And he's talking about, you know, how to use tongues. And then verse 26, he says, how is it then, brethren, when you come together, not if you come together, when you come together, every one of you has a psalm, a doctrine, a tongue, a revelation, have an interpret interpretation. Let all things be done, guess what? Unto edifying. That's building up the body of Christ. Amen. The point is that, that coming together in New Testament is Bible teaching. It's important for you or I to get together in church, to hear the teaching and the preaching of the word, because our faith depends on it. And the gifts of the Spirit and our ability to withstand the pressures and the, and the struggles of life that come against us depends upon how strong our faith is. It's important to come to church. Turn your neighbor and tell them it's important that you be in church. So this is why we read again Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Let us not neglect meeting together, as some people do. The problem with these Hebrew Christians, as we read in 10.25, Hebrews 10.25 earlier, was that, that they were weak in faith. And they were tempted to return to their Judaism before they became Christians. And as a consequence of that, they were spiritually immature. 
And Paul was admonishing them. Look, your absence from the assembly is why you're weak. You're weak in faith, and you want to go back to your beggarly elements of, of, of physical sacrifices and animal sacrifices. And, and their weak faith could not keep them. They could not sustain them, and, and they were under pressure, and they could stand. They couldn't stand. And in addition, and their absence was hurting others, because when you stay away from your church, that it makes an impact on everybody else. You know, people look for you when, you, when you're not here. They say, so-and-so, I wonder why so-and-so is not here. And if they don't know that, that something's going on because there's sickness or you're attending to somebody's sick or because something happened, uh, you know, it, it has a negative impact on them. But we're called to edify the building up of a church. So when you come together, it absolutely has a positive impact when you're there. Amen. Now, there's things you can do to make it negative, obviously. But just by showing up, we don't want you to be a negative impact on anybody. Amen. That means you speak nice things. Hallelujah. If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all, right? Hallelujah. Praise God. But I mentioned it before, and one great example is this spoke to me. A brother shared this with me. From in fact, I spoke with him today. And I called him in Springfield, Ohio. He's a PAW preacher, Brother Garfield Parker. And we talked. I tell you, God brought him out of cancer. He was, oh, I don't have time to testify. Hallelujah. Praise God. But, uh, but this is a great scripture that he showed me several years ago. And he said, uh, you know, and, and now I exhort you to be a good cheer for their, oh, wait a minute, excuse me. Things to, yeah, verse, chapter 28. And from thence, when the brethren heard of us, they came to meet us as far as uh, Epi Forum and the three taverns, whom when Paul saw, he thanked God and took courage. These brethren came to see him on his journey as he was on the way to Rome as a prisoner. And when these brethren showed up, it doesn't record what they said or if they did anything. They just showed up. And they gave him great encouragement. And your presence in a church can do exactly the same thing. You just show up. It's all, nobody will miss me. Oh, yes, we will. We miss you when you're not here. God is not pleased when you're not here. He misses you. When, look, he's looking. He's looking for you. And so am I. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. I, I, many times I look and think, well, you know, I, this and such and such could be here. They could be here. That could be here. They got other things going on. Mm. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, the Bible tells us not to abandon assembly. Instead, it exhorts us to be a good example to other believers and to encourage others because that edifies them. Stand with me if you would. Andrea, come on. See, when you, when you attend services, we contribute to the needs of the saints. I'm talking financially too. Missions, prayers for those that are present. And we also demonstrate our support for church leadership, believe it or not. In Hebrews 13, 17, it says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. You know, even on a church bylaws, in case you forget, that it's a requirement for church membership to be faithfully attending church services. And we certainly understand can, uh, extenuating circumstances, but it's a requirement for church membership. 
Bottom line, every church struggles with church attendance. And many people have these struggles when things happen in their lives. And it comes down to should I or shouldn't I? And, and not attending church when it should have was a problem in the early church and it will be until Jesus comes. In fact, Matthew 24, 12, it says, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. That means their love for God, the things of God, and for church. It's cold. And they stay away. Because it's the end times. And the solution again to the struggle is to begin to cult cultivate this habit of regular church attendance to all the services you can. Make it a point. And, and, and for most of you, I know you don't have that problem. But I think it's important for us to know these things so that we can articulate it to others and many of the new ones that will come who will question, why should I come to church so often? People who have no background in church attendance, church attendance on Sunday morning is not on their, on their radar screen. It really isn't. But it should be on ours because we belong to Him. We have a different destination than everybody else. We already bought our tickets. We are on a train to glory. And we're people of the Spirit. And I know we struggle with it sometimes, and that's why we're talking about it. Make sure that some life event doesn't upset your apple cart to the, to the point where you begin to neglect your attendance and you begin to slip. And some important things you drift away from. And we have to understand that attending church is always the best choice. I said attending church is always the best choice because God rewards it. Now, I was uh, thinking of a message that my first pastor, Brother James Kilgore, preached back in 1975. And I want to show you, I got a little scrappy note that I have from back then that I even scratched up and did all kinds of Bible study on, showed different things. And my kids got a hold and scribbled on too, but I still got the six points that my first pastor, Brother Kilgore, preached in church. I was fresh, new saint. He says, the ways of losing your first love for others and just loving your first, losing your first love. Revelation chapter 2, that letter to Ephesus. But I have somewhat against you that you have left your first love. And my first pastor preached this message. How do you know when you're leaving or losing your first love? One, when you don't read the Word of God. Two, when you're not praying. Three, when you have a desire of a, for the things of the world. And four, absent yourself from the house of God. Five, when you're prone to question holy things. And six, when we begin to find fault in others. That was his Bible study. 48 years ago I still got on a piece of paper can you tell I'm a hoarder of important things absent yourself from the house of God it can be a struggle praise the Lord but it doesn't have to be because God's spirit is here to give us strength hallelujah I tell you what where else can we go
to find what we have found here. Where else could we find the remedy for our needs than what we have found here? What doctor, what hospital, what school, what college, what university, what government can give us what we have experienced right here? Life-changing experiences. Saving our children, praise the Lord. Saving us, giving us joy, giving us incredible spiritual experiences. My goodness, I wouldn't trade this for anything. I experienced in the church of God the first time I ever gave a message in tongues, interpretation, hallelujah, was in France, Paris, in a congregation. It was monumental. It was powerful. I'm still feeling the Holy Ghost right now thinking back on how powerful it was physically. My arms were reverberating from fingertips to elbow and from knees down to my toes, shaking like my skin was going to fall off. For three days, I felt the Holy Ghost going up and down my spine. And the vision I had out here, Memorial Hospital, God opened my eyes and I was in a trance and I saw his spirit through everything, every inanimate object and I felt his presence, his power, his comfort, his strength in a way that I have never known before. I could just feel that an atomic weapon could not, I mean, could not do anything against that spirit, against that power. He could just snuff the power right out of every weapon. No wonder the scripture could say, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. God can do that. And you can't experience that anywhere but in the church of the living God. Oh, hallelujah. I love the Lord. Praise God. I'm going to sing a new song.